Hey, you're listening to Saturate, an AOC podcast. All right, hey, we did it, y'all. We're having a podcast for AOC. Welcome. Yeah, this is the first ever. To my um, left, I have Chad McCartney. Hey. Why don't you tell them what uh, you do here, Chad? I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Austin Oaks Church. Awesome. And Molly? Um, I'm Molly Martin, and I am the director of Next Steps. Next Steps. What does that mean? It just means helping you walk, uh, put one foot in front of the other. So with um, like toddlers? Toddlers, yes, yes, no. Um, I just help people get connected to the church and create um, welcoming, hospitable environments. Nice. Did you write that? That's not that, um, that that? professional. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded really professional. <laughs> I just made it up right now. Yeah. It's only like in Christian circles that we have like these really unique I think she names. just pushed a button on her shoulder and it just came out. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. I'm always ready. Hang on, let me try it. <laughs> no, it didn't work. Not. It needs batteries. Anyway, all right. So what we want to do in this podcast is kind of reflect on some of the things our buddy and... Uh, quarterback Brandon Ziski said on Sunday, and this Sunday, um, this is what is today's date? February, February 17th. February 17th. So it's our first one here. And this past Sunday, we kind of launched the new series, right? So no accident. No accidents mm-hmm. is the title. Mm-hmm. And um, so, kind of synopsis. Why don't you, you guys can help me um, kind of give the synopsis? But the, some of the things I took away was being very intentional. Like he had the example of the Vince Lombardi football speech hmm. and talked about us being real like what does it what does it mean for us to be the church out in the city uh, what were you guys just some of your highlights or takeaways from that yeah i liked the focus on getting back to the basics because as he mentioned and as we see so much especially in i think the western church we've lost sight of what we were originally formed for and kind of created our own version of church and and i think that happens in a lot of organizations or just you know, whether it's football or a church, yeah. we lose that side and suddenly we're focusing on means rather than the end. And you, Chad, uh, people who may not know this, you were a senior pastor at another church before, so you may have like a different lens, like coming into this, like how, like would you agree with Brandon on his synopsis? Yeah, I, I agree 100%, was really encouraged and excited about the message. And obviously we've been talking about these things for a while now. And I observed it. You know, I had kind of a unique experience uh, being in the, the city and location in mm-hmm. our country that I was. It was such an unreached, unevangelized area. I didn't come into a setting where there was tons of Christians and people who had been doing church forever. So we saw a lot of conversion growth in our church. And I found myself in a situation of, how do I handle this? How do you lead a church that 80% of the people in the church had come to faith through the church? you know, in the last 10 years and you're starting from scratch and it just made me, uh, I guess, see church totally different than I'd experienced prior to that and question a lot of things that had been priorities before Right, uh, that really had a a big impact. Obviously, you're a believer before you became a pastor. How many years, you know, or did you go right into... Like, for me. No, I I became a believer at the end of my junior year of college. Um, and it was a pretty big change for me, uh, four pretty rough, rugged years in my life. And it was a major turning point for me. And so then I went into teaching and coaching. I taught and coached for 10 years 
and during that time was in a church where I was really being discipled, uh, very much grew through a small group setting, which mm. was so influential in my life. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth on teaching and shepherding and, and doing the same with others and seeing the simplicity of it and yet the power of it in multiplication. And so eventually felt led into ministry, went to seminary, mm. quit my job. We moved to Dallas and then from Dallas to Laredo. So Where in Dallas did you live? I lived in the Mesquite area. Mesquite. Is that near Garland? Garland? Yes. Garland, okay. Mesquite. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I just spoke to somebody, a friend of mine who moved here, who's now the worship leader at Glad Tidings, uh, another worship leader. Um, and he lived, so I lived in Farmer's Branch in Plano. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just remember, like, every time I think of Dallas, I just think of concrete. Big time. A lot of concrete. Like, I don't know where the rain goes. We yeah. called the Arboretum there. It was yeah. 100 yards of pretty. Yeah. That was the only, <laughs> thing, right. that was the only thing in Dallas yeah. that was yeah. nice. Yeah. We love you guys up there. <laughs> right. I'm just, just saying. You Coming from the Northwest, team. though, yeah. it was like the exact opposite. Yeah. It's like all concrete. It was It was hard. It's like that Joni Mitchell song really comes in that pave paradise to put up a pie. You know, <laughs> it's Dallas. Uh-huh. I don't know how much was there. Anyway, I'm, uh, I digest. I only say that because you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right in front of you. That's right. Yeah, I did. I asked Chad not to eat um, while he was speaking in the microphone, only because that microphone has a peanut allergy. It does. And uh, so I just step concerned. away. Yeah. It's other than that. If it's you fine. hear crunching, it's Molly. <laughs> yeah. If Chad's <laughs> mic dies, it's because it's having an allergic reaction <laughs> to his sandwich right now. Um, you know what was interesting is that. Um, Molly, when you went to go get a glass of water Mm -hmm. um, before this podcast, we were talking about um, what should we say this podcast is. And Mm -hmm. then um, Chad said something that I thought was really interesting that kind of led us down this this point where, is it about evangelism? And it kind of is and it kind of isn't in that I think we tend to categorize evangelism like it's some type of like you eat this uh, it's like okay when you have a costume mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. now i'm an evangelist mm-hmm. you know what i mean where mm-hmm. it the the content of the sunday was like we should always kind of always be an evangelist mm-hmm. just or like a witness all, or a witness mm-hmm. like right and i think he even defined evangelist is um declaring good news right or something like that mm-hmm. that kind of what that means so mm-hmm. so what how do you how do you walk that molly mm-hmm. how do you like interpret some of that and how to live that out a little bit. Yeah, I think um, Brandon might even said this on Sunday. I think he said that I don't have the gift of compassion, but that doesn't mean I can't be compassionate or that Mm. God has called me to love other people. Mm, And so I think some people might have um, certain giftings in evangelism and might um, just more naturally lean that way or be more aware, more um, naturally intentional with people. But that doesn't mean that we're not all... all called to share that. And I loved um, something he said on Sunday was witnessing in a courthouse is just simply sharing the truth, sharing what you saw Mm. and sharing what you experienced and not necessarily deciding if um, something is true or if it's guilty or if someone's innocent or anything like that is just simply sharing. And I think um, sometimes when we hear in church you know, we have to go share the gospel with all nations. That can feel like a really lofty responsibility Mm -hmm. and kind of scary and honestly very intimidating. And for someone like me, I think like it's just really easy to get caught up in fear and think like, well, I can't do that. I'm not a natural evangelist. And, Mm -hmm. you know, God hasn't gifted me that in that way. And 
um, just get really complacent and comfortable too. But I think when you think of it as just witnessing and sharing what you've experienced and sh- sharing how Jesus has impacted your life or community and um, just things like that have shaped you, um, that is a part of our story, and that's that's sharing God's truth. And didn't you have a story um, of somebody? Uh, what that kind of looks like? Yeah. Um, when I was in um, my college ministry back in Minnesota, there was... Okay, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2000. <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, but in my college ministry, there we were encouraged. We were talking about um, sharing our faith, actually. And we were encouraged every week there was a different challenge. And... Um, we would share just kind of stories about how we were challenged to share our faith and and what happened and um, sometimes it turned out really good and sometimes it you know you didn't really see the fruit of that um, but rescue took and sharing your faith and one of my good friends Erin was in our cafeteria and saw this guy that she um, thought looked familiar and so she went up to him and invited him to this conference we were having um, in like a month away and so she went and invited him and was like hey I'm Erin and uh, I love Jesus, and I'm going to this conference, and I wanted to know if you know if you're interested. I'd love for you to come too. And um, that later, she kind of shared the story like that was really scary, and I don't actually know if he's going to sign up or if he'll go. And probably thought I was really awkward and was completely out of the blue because I've never talked to him before. And um, but that was all that she knew. She just was obedient to what God had prompted her to do, and went and shared that with him. And um, I think little did she know that God was working in his heart as well. And so he ended up signing up to go to that conference with us that winter. Um, he ended up uh, re- rededicating his life to Christ and um, became one of the leaders in our college ministry and now has those stories of his own and is sharing his faith with other people and is helping other people know Jesus. So it's just right. cool to see that that impact. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. You never know. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's great. And Chad, you had something kind of similar too. There was a story you were telling me about somebody in UT. So yeah, there's a, a young lady that attends here or, or at Austin Oaks. She's a group leader, <clears throat> real neat couple. And uh, she uh, works as a, an advisor, actually now supervises several advisors in the School of Business at UT. And Is that uh, Beth? It's not Beth, is it? No, Kayla. 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 I don't, I don't know. Kayla oh, crazy Ford. Kayla. Yeah, no, crazy <laughs> Kayla. No, I don't know her. <laughs> anyway, so it was really neat. She came to our Common Good Conference that we did here on a Saturday that was really talking about what does it look like to live out our beliefs and just values as a Christians out in the world and really bringing that, the goodness of those things to our workplaces and our neighborhoods and so forth. So she was really inspired by that and had an opportunity in a conference that they present across all the types of people that are in her field on campus, which is several hundred people that are in those types of roles in the various schools on on campus. And so they do a conference every year that just trains and equips people. And they take submissions for people that want to do a seminar that might be helpful for that group. And, and she wanted to do one on extending grace in the workplace. And so she put this whole presentation together on how, how can we be uh, uh, people and and even departments that extend grace to each other and help each other uh, in our journey instead of competing with each other all the time. And so she asked if I would come over, uh, kind of talk through it with her, look over what she had, give her some feedback on it. And, you know, I was just so encouraged by what she was doing. And she's doing this to a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. that 
probably aren't believers, probably aren't going to church on a weekly basis. And yet she had the courage to take this principle and really think through what does it look like for an everyday person mm. and how can we make this part of our workplace in a way of helping people navigate you know, a work environment where we're all gonna make mistakes. Right. And how do we see each other as humans right. rather than just as someone who's producing something for me at any given moment. So mm -hmm. it was really pretty awesome what That's she amazing. did. The incredible thing about that is, and this is kind of where I wanted to go to is, like, do you think she was thinking, I'm going to evangelize now? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know what I would say on that is, is um, and I talked to her about this too, just to encourage her in that in terms of what you're able to do. She's in a public school. I was a public school teacher for 10 years. So I understood um, just legalities in terms of what I could do with my faith and what I couldn't. And I respect those. I realize this, I'm not in control of this environment and they're organizing the best environment they can under the authority that they're under. And I wanted to respect that. But I also realized um, that that doesn't mean I have no opportunity to just be a witness or to live out uh, what I believe in a way that's impacting to others. And there's a, there's a really interesting scale called an angle scale developed by a guy named Engel. Okay, mm -hmm. that, okay that's that where interesting? we got it The gringo scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, it goes from, like he would label it from minus five to five, where five would be, you know, the most mature believer you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. Minus five would be the person who's furthest from God you could possibly have. And zero would be kind of that crossing point where a person goes from not believing in God or believing in Jesus to believing in him. Mm -hmm. And what's neat about that scale is it helps us view people more realistically, that we're mm -hmm. all on this scale somewhere. We're all right. on a journey. Right. And sometimes we bump into people, and as Christians, we're so narrow-minded in that idea of evangelism. We think, if I can't get a person to trust Christ right now, mm -hmm. then I've blown it. Right. And we dehumanize a person and don't acknowledge their journey or even where their starting point mm -hmm. is. And so being able to see that some people are minus fives, you know, some people are born in places where they have no access to the gospel at all and have never heard anything. Others of us are born in places where we're saturated with it and maybe have ne never really pondered it or been confronted with it ourselves. But, but just telling her, you don't know what your audience is. You just share your truth and tell right. these things. And some people are going to be minus fives and they may be minus fours by the time that presentation mm -hmm. is done. And others might be minus twos and they become minus ones. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to see anyone in that setting cross over zero, but that's not the point there. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't love them and, and acknowledge them and keep them moving along in their journey. And I think that's so important for us to, yeah. to realize every bit of that is like Paul said, some plow some plant, some water, and some harvest. Yeah. And he's really, in a, in a different way, stating that scale, That's awesome. you know, even before Engel came along. Yeah, wow, what's interesting. So um, I guess they could, people could Google that if they wanted to, right? Angle scale? They should scale? be, yeah. I think okay. it's E-N-G-L-E, maybe, not angle, but okay, angle. Okay, angle, I'm pronouncing it wrong, in my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Here's some announcements about what is coming up at Austin Oak Church in the next couple of weeks. 
Sunday, March 1st, we are launching our growth track again. If you haven't attended growth track, this is just one of the best ways for you to learn about what our church believes and who we are and to get connected and learn more about what your role is in this church. So you can sign up for that. Check out our uh, connection cards or our website for more details. Come and check out our church services. If you haven't been before, we have Sunday services at 9 a.m., and 11 a.m. for our contemporary services. And then we have a 9.30 classic or traditional service. So for more information, check out austinoakschurch.org. All right, and we're back. And when we were off, JJ was asking me about how to reach the younger generation. JJ, would you just ask that question again for everyone? Yes, if it pleases the court. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yes, so Molly, we were asking, um, you know, one of the things that Brandon talked about is this younger generation. And he always brings up that judges verse, which is uh, so true and so um, sobering to hear. Which is so, what? What is the judges? I would just summarize it, JJ. Oh, summarize the thing, and now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, basically, it's Joshua uh, describing that there would be a generation that did not know the mm, Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has convicted mm. us that we want every generation mm-hmm. to know the Lord. So I think it's 210, Judges mm-hmm. 210, if I'm right. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. I'm a professional Christian, so Someone check I that. should check that still. We'll, we'll fact or check everything in the maybe. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Angle will also check out that. We'll fact <laughs> check the chats. We'll Angle check just that. Just make sure. Um, but so my question to you, Molly, is how do we then, because you are of that generation that Brandon refers to mm-hmm. in the Judges 2.10 mm-hmm. verse, how do we best reach people in your generation? Mm-hmm. What, you got some thoughts on that? Yes, I do. Um, well, for everyone listening, I'm in the millennial generation, um, but I think uh, millennials and Gen Z particularly are some of the um, least church people right now. And if you're thinking about how do I reach somebody that is um, in that in those generations right now that is not going to church, um, the two words that came to mind earlier was relational and authentic. And I think um, I read somewhere that the uh, Generation Z is one of the most Uh, the highest generations exposed to um, marketing and media and just have seen more ads in their short lifetime than um, any other generation has seen because they're constantly just exposed via social media or billboards or um, just anywhere they they are. There's um, ads constantly playing that they're exposed to. And so I think for me, I'm always skeptical and wary of anything that sounds like a sales pitch. And so anytime anybody's trying to sell me something, I don't even have to know what it is. I've already predetermined I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. So um, those those guys who are trying to sell you roofs when you're leaving Sam's Club, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just right away, I'm like, I, I don't need to hear it. You know, I'm, I'm not interested. Um, and so I think you know, really one of the best ways is to think about like, how are you in relationship with those generations Um, and making sure it's authentic and not just something you're trying to get them to come to church and check that off their um, box because really uh, our generations don't have a high value on that. So um, that it's more than just coming to church, making sure that it's, you really truly care about them having a relationship with Jesus and knowing Jesus. And part of that is um, us who are believers, our responsibility to be sharing um, what it's like to um, be following Jesus, not just going to church. So, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Hey, I would pi- like to pipe in a little bit on the generation too, because I'm kind of Please. between the major generations, and I have some connections, and even I think values that land in each of them, and I work with both of them. 
a fair amount. And, and even just listening to some things that I've heard as of re- recent that were really insightful in terms of that, I, I realize in connecting them, the older generation really values respect and excellence. That's, you know, they're part of the boomers and, you know, coming after the builders and they really did a lot to advance our country in a lot of ways with the hard work and commitment to things. And so what they've accomplished is of great value to them and they want it to be respected. And for the younger generation, again, we're speaking in generalities. This doesn't apply to everyone across the board, but in general, this is how sociologists have kind of evaluated the generations. The younger generation is authenticity and real and, uh, and relationships are, are tend to be more important. And so what can happen is the older generation can want the younger generation to respect them, which we all want people to respect them, but they do it differently. Right. They want to be able to, to have their accomplishments respected. And that's by following our example and following our leadership. The younger generation though, finds respect by hearing people be real and share their struggles and where they've failed and be authentic. Hmm. And so they kind of butt up against each other in that way. And, and, uh, the, the older generation doesn't, you know, when they're not respected for those things, they feel like they're being disrespected, rightly so, and they can pull back. The younger generation can struggle with, uh, Dr. Tim, El- Tim Elmore categorized them really well and saying they have two traits that uh, really can characterize this younger generation. One of them is they they have self esteem issues. They're very, uh, insecure on one hand. And he said, then they have this arrogance on the other hand of information that he said is unique to their generation because it's the first generation ever that's grown up having Google access to them. So they can get every bit of information that they want. They no longer need an older generation to pass down information to them. Mm -hmm. So they have this sense that since I have access Mm -hmm. to this information, I don't need to listen to anyone. It's like you're just as wise. Yeah. yeah. So the difference is they have information. What they don't have is wisdom. And wisdom requires experience and it requires the ability to know when to apply what information at what time. And older generations just have that. No one's handed that, you know, at the beginning of your life. And right. so each generation is going to have to defer in some ways and be willing to engage to do that. But I think the the lion's share always lies with the older generation. Hmm. The more mature you are, the more you got to be willing to defer to reach those who are less mature just because of life experience. And until that bridge can be crossed, right. um, or until we, and now I put us in there because we are in the latter seasons of our life, until we're willing to say, what are we willing to sacrifice to hand this off to the next generation? You know, the stuff's going to go to the grave with us yeah. all. And, and what good will that be if it only lasts as long as we last? So, yeah, that's good. That's mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. That's insightful. I do like, I do think Gen X is the best name. <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Yeah, Not cool. just because you're a Gen X, right? Like, even that's a great, that's kind of like a superhero type of a. Yeah. It's the best gamer tag. Mm-hmm. It's the best everything. You know? That I've heard the new generation is uh-huh. like, you know, late 2000s and still being born is uh, Gen A, so Generation Alpha. Oh, here we go. Which I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. After that. Yeah. Sure. You you, you can edit that (laughs) out. I'm just thinking of like all the other, okay, 
like if there's going to be a Gen P or, you know, a Gen D mm-hmm. or I don't know, we're just going to... We're going to come up because millennials didn't follow the alphabet. Mm, yeah. You broke off. Well, I think over. millennials are also called Gen Y. Y. Well, yeah. They are. Yeah, but nobody knows that name. Oh, man. So, now you just burst my yeah, bubble. Sorry. We did follow the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. It's going to be like the hurricanes, how they all have a different name, but fall, like they'll just keep repeating in letters. But right. soon after Alpha, it'll be like Generation Betty or something. Yeah. Brian. That's awesome. <laughs> so right. JJ, yeah, tell us your story. You have a heart to to reach people, and you're always trying to connect with people who are, you know, seem disconnected from Jesus, and just get them back in the game, or at least get, get to give them a shake to say, hey, if you've really ever considered mm-hmm. him, maybe you're hurt by religion or what we all see going on in the name of Jesus, but really. You have a heart just to show them the real person. What does that look like? Or tell us the story you've experienced in that realm. Yeah, so uh, for me too, it's I've always kind of been doing this, but didn't realize that I was an evangelist until I was talking to Brandon, actually. Um, and I think that's I that's created sometimes some impatience with me. Um, for people like I would like, come on, don't you get it? You know, why don't you just mm-hmm. do? And then, so I do understand. Which, which is, by the way, I'm going to answer this, but I'm going to ask you a question after this answer. And it's the difference between the gift of evangelism mm-hmm. and then just what does evangelism mm-hmm. look? That's good. So that'll be my question to you as I as I answer this question. Um, but um, yeah, so I have always had a heart for reaching musicians. Um, one is because I understand what they go through. Mm-hmm. And so I can relate to them. One of the things I don't talk about very much is I've won some awards in some of my past. So I, I'm, I, it, it gives me street cred here in Austin, mm-hmm. if you're a musician, um, because I've um, some of the things that God has bestowed upon me. Thing is, is I is that your sixth grade talent show? <laughs> yeah, you're talking about watercolors, battle of the bands. <laughs> yeah, I have pictures. It was very messy. Um, yeah, so but I realize that I'm not the best bass player. I'm not the best musician. God just is good, and He blessed me with these titles hmm. for His purpose, not mine. So not to elevate. Uh, or propel my career, mm-hmm. but to propel the gospel and to show him. Because I didn't, I don't feel like I did this. He bestowed um, this on me. Like, uh, just real quickly, a friend of mine um, who was with the Biscuit Brothers here in town at PBS show in Austin, and it was a, um, uh, it, it's a national syndicate show. Um, they asked me, um, to do this song, De Colores, which is like a Spanish folk song. It's mm-hmm. the equivalent of like Mary Had a Little Lamb. Like it's that kind of thing. So I, because I had a studio and and maybe I was the only Latino guy that he knew. I mm-hmm. don't know why he asked me, but I sang it and sent it to him. And I just did it really fast. Like, here's a gift. So you can stop emailing me about it. And so gave him that. And um, about... Ten months later, he calls me and said that that one episode won an Emmy Award what? for Best Children's Program. Wow. Hmm. So I have this thing of like, God, you did this. Hmm. I mean, why do I have it? I mean, I li- it's literally, and why am I rehearsing so much? 
if it's decolotus, mm-hmm. it's going to do these. <laughs> right. If it's Mary had a little lamb uh, that's going to bring these things, why am I studying all this intricate right. jazz mm-hmm. salsa stuff? You know, what what that does is it gives me permission to speak to people mm-hmm. in my area, mm-hmm. and because of that, I'm able to use that influence to share the gospel with them. So it's made me think: Why don't we all do that? Whether it's whatever business you're in, you could be an architect or sales, whatever it is, teaching. What does it look like for you for that just to ooze out of you? Because I'm not. I've never felt like I'm now putting an evangelist hat mm-hmm. on, a suit on of evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always just kind of been me. So even when Brandon said that you're an evangelist, like, uh, no, I'm just kind mm-hmm. of doing. I'm just being me. But now it's like reassured that, JJ, no, you have the gift of evangelism. Mm-hmm. So, Chad, what does that look like? My follow-up question to you, like what, like like I just gave it to you, so don't let me repeat it because I don't remember. <laughs> but Yeah, so you were asking about the difference between a gift mm-hmm. and and just obedience to right. doing something in particular with evangelism. That's what it was. Thank you. I think that's a great question, similar to what Brandon used as a compassion and the gift of compassion. Isn't that a great question? Yeah. Just before you answer it. It is. Yeah. A really good question. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I think there's a, a one passage I remember reading years ago that really stuck out to me and has encouraged me throughout my ministry and helped me stay in my lane and just be mindful of, of like you said, how God really does carry us along in these situations where you go, he, they could have asked anyone to do that song at any moment, mm-hmm. and you just happen to be in the right moment at the right time. And all of a sudden, wow, you know, what just happened here? Um, the gifts are, are similar to that, that, that God gives them. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says there's different gifts, but the same spirit. It also says there's different effects, you know, but the same ministry. And that, that struck me because we always think, oh, yeah, people have different gifts, but we don't realize the spirit also accomplishes the effects of them. That's that supernatural aspect. And so you think of, you having the gift of evangelism and Billy Graham having the gift of evangelism, the way you avoid thinking that your gift isn't as significant because you're not reaching millions of people, as you say, God gives different effects and different effects for different settings. You know, Billy Graham's never going to reach the musicians that you have access to that are never going to show up at one of his crusades. But you're not going to be speaking in front of a whole stadium of people and seeing millions because... God has you kind of in a special ops type of a role. So not only does he give a gift, he also gives us a unique setting in which to use it. And that encouraged me because I don't have the gift of evangelism, but I love to share my faith. And early on when I was a public teacher, public school teacher, I remember sharing all the time and thinking, why do I never see someone come to faith? Why do I get the opportunity to lead people to faith? And I'd see people with the gift of evangelism and it's just happening all the time. And I used to beat myself up over it until I'd start getting phone calls from students who had graduated, you know, two or three years ago. And, uh, and they just share, Hey, you know, Mr. McCartney, you know, I just remember being in your class and you sharing things about your life and then talking with me afterwards and just wrestling with things. And, you know, I went off to school and I got hooked up in this Christian organization and ended up becoming a believer. Yeah. And they said, you were the first person that ever talked to me about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and made me open to even consider it later on. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing that more and more and began to realize that's not, 
where God has me. He, I'm a plower when it comes to evangelism. And that's not to say I've had the opportunity to lead a lot of different people to the Lord in unique settings because of my position as a pastor. Mm-hmm. But I also don't hang my hat on that because that's not my spiritual gift. Where mine is teaching and discipleship, and I can go back and see that in every place I've been, and I've been able to leave, and I leave, you know, God's just left something that continues to go on and grow and outgrow me everywhere I've gone, and I'm like, how does that happen? And I realize that's him. He does that. That's my niche. That's my story, and it's not everyone else's, and I think that's the difference is we're all called to do the work, but we got to humbly realize some people who have that unique gift they're going to be mm-hmm. used in a different way in that particular area. Yeah. Whereas we're going to be used in a unique way in our gifted area. I love it. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast, the launch, the premiere. There's another name for it. The pilot. Pilot. Ooh, ooh there it is. <laughs> the pilot. So thank you guys so much. And uh, you guys can, I uh, hope you, you can subscribe to this and uh, hopefully you can uh, keep listening to us. We got five weeks of this we're doing through the series for sure, right? Yes, yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon.